In the night before his enlightenment, the Bodhisattva sat down under the Bodhi tree, facing eastward, and his back against the trunk of the tree. And then he made this following resolution. Let my flesh and blood dry up, and let only my skin, sinews and bones remain. Never shall I unfold this cross-legged position until I attain Buddhahood. Not that I ask you to make this determination. <laughs> but even the Bodhisattva took refuge in making a determination in order to reach his final goal. And it was due to this firm resolution that he could withstand all the attacks and seductions from Mara, the personification of the evil. Because Mara wanted to prevent that he became a Buddha. And so even the most severe attacks from Mara's army, with attacks of uh, big rocks and hot ashes, or the display of attractive young women, could not deter the Bodhisattva from his resolve to attain his final goal. So today I want to speak about some aspects of determination. It's an important uh, and helpful quality in our practice. In Pali, this quality of the heart, the mind, is called aditana. In English, we usually translate it as determination or resolve, resolution. It's a quality that gives, that gives strength to our purpose and helps us prevent from wavering or sidetracking or uh, giving up altogether. With a determined mind, we just pursue our determined direction and do not fall prey to the many seductions on the way. But before we make a determination or before we resolve something, we have to be clear about what we actually determine or resolve. So we should clearly know what we want or in which direction we want to incline our mind. Yesterday morning, in the morning reflection, I brought up the question, what do I want from practice? And so, depending on our answer, this will give us a certain direction. If the answer lies along the lines, pleasant, nice, pain-free experiences, coupled with happiness, bliss and peace, then we easily might get stuck on the way, or frustrated because we are not there. So then, rather than understanding things as they truly are, we just dwell or get hooked up in pleasant experiences. And so then, the practice uh, revolves around the point, or then it becomes a struggle, to make these pleasant and nice 
experience is happening. However, if our answer is along the lines to lessen or overcome greed, hatred and delusion, then our practice uh, will have a different quality or uh, take a different form. So to be clear about our aim or purpose is very important. Also in worldly matters, this is quite obvious. For example, if we have a business, we are quite determined to make a good business. And so to be, to be successful and to make enough profit, um, we set up conducive conditions. For example, by employing trained and competent staff or by putting up ads to make sure there is friendly service and by having good public relations. Or another example is going on a holiday. So in order to get to our chosen destination and spend a relaxing time there, we need to do all the necessary preparations. So with this in mind, we um, work single-mindedly towards this goal, determined to make it happen that way. So first of all, we book a cottage at our um, at the place we want to go and make sure it has TV and a spa. <laughs> and then we bring our car into the workshop to do an overhaul because it's a long uh, two days drive to get there. Then we also go and get some maps so that we can figure out which way uh, to drive. And finally we pack our suitcase hop in the car and start driving. On the second day, already getting close to our destination, we come across a place where the, where the road is blocked because there was a landslide. And so we follow the indicated detour because we are determined we want to get there. And so finally, just when it is getting dark, we get there to our lovely nice cottage. So of course to get there doesn't seem to be very difficult. <laughs> um, it's quite easy at least uh, in a developed country. <laughs> in Burma to a place, uh, to go to a place um, two days drive away, um, Probably there will be more obstacles on the way <laughs> and one needs already a bigger degree of determination to really uh, make it to get there. Or if one wants to go on an expedition into the jungle of the Amazonas or into far away remote places in the Himalayas, again there one needs probably an even greater degree of determination uh, to make it there. And 
So it is also in spiritual matters. Very often our spiritual practice is compared to a long path, to a long journey. And so when we set out on this journey, we should be clear about where we want to go. So the, the goal or the destination should not only be well-defined, but it also should be something um, well worth to be reached. And so we also need to be clear <clears throat> about our sincere wish to actually get there. Because only when we have a clear vision will we, will be, will we be determined to make all the effort uh, to get there. And so on the basis of a clear vision, a well-defined uh, goal or purpose, then we can bring our day-to-day -day actions in alignment with this um, deeper aim or goal. The Buddha's teaching basically aim at purifying our heart and mind in order to understand things as they truly are. To purify our heart and mind means to cleanse it from the stains produced by greed, hatred and delusion. Without these stains, we could see things clearly as they are. And so then in this way, we would no longer produce causes for suffering to arise. And so when there is no suffering, there can be happiness, there can be peace. So for example, recognizing our greedy nature and wishing to reduce our greed, we can make a determination to curb back on our greed on a small but though significant action. I want to illustrate this with a determination that I did many, many, many years ago. I was very fond of eating sweets and especially the homemade cakes of my mother um, was something I could not resist. But I also would go for any, for any other thing, sweet cookies, cakes, ice cream, sweetened beverages, whatever. And so recognizing this almost insatiable desire for sweets, I made this determination not to eat or drink anything sweet, anything that con contained sugar. And I determined to do it for two weeks. I could have just told myself to reduce the intake of sweets or sugar, but I knew myself well enough that I would still find excuses and not firmly stick uh, to just take less. 
And so I made this wholehearted determination not to eat anything sweet for two weeks. It was not easy and at times I was overcome with this really strong and compelling force or craving for sweets. But I just stuck to my resolve and did not touch or eat anything sweet. And I managed it for the two weeks and after that I felt satisfied and happy with myself. But more important, I came to understand that the desire to eat sweets did not need to be acted out in order to make it disappear. Although the desire was very strong, I was just aware of it and did not give in to it. And I realized that that made it disappear after a while by itself. So I was happy that I understood something and so then I decided that I would allow myself to eat sweets again. <laughs> but having gone through this experience, I learned that it was possible to keep my craving for sweets under control and that I didn't need to gratify this desire all the time it arose. And so, in the same way, if we become aware of some unwholesome tendencies or unskillful habits that you would like to change, but are difficult to change, we can curb back on them by making a resolve. So, for example, this could be something like, if we cannot stop looking uh, looking around, looking at the beautiful sceneries, the trees, the flowers, the turkeys, the squirrels, and so on. We can make a determination that for a day, or two days, or a week, whatever, um, we do not give in to this desire to enjoy the beautiful scenery, but that we will keep our eyes downcast. Or if we are attached to our cup of tea or coffee, we can determine that we are going to skip the cup of coffee or tea after lunch, or to skip that one in the evening, or to skip that one in mid-morning. Or if it is hard to get up in the morning, then we can make a resolve to immediately get up when the alarm clock goes off without giving in to the thought that I really would need to lie down a little bit longer because my body is so exhausted. <sighs> or these are uh, rather things you could do out of intensive retreat, back home. So for example, if we are of a stingy nature, we can make a resolve that every time we think of giving away something for 
the, the next week or so. We actually give it before um, we succumb to the afterthought of not giving it because we actually really need it ourselves. Or for example, if we are of a short-tempered nature, then we can make a determination that for a number of days we do not take immediate action to amend the situation or to retaliate with harsh or angry words. Or if we are of a conceited or proud nature, we can make a determination that for a week or so we are going to give the seat in the bus or the underground to any other person uh, who is standing next to us. Or it could be if we are driving a car and if we see an empty parking space that we do not um, speed up to rush in but that we let the other car coming from the other side take the parking lot. So to make a determination can be a helpful tool in order to reach our objective or our destination. Already the fact that we deliberately formulate uh, an aim or an objecti ob objective and put it into words helps to make it more powerful and it gives it more strength. And if we do that resolve before another person, or it could be uh, in front of a Buddha, Buddha statue, then again it gains in strength and we are less liable to cheat ourselves. In the Buddha's teachings, Aditana, resolve or determination, is one of the paramis, that means one of the perfections, which are forces of purity in our heart and mind, or these forces that help in the endeavor to purify our heart and mind. The Bodhisattva had to perfect these qualities to the highest degrees during many, many of his lifetimes. In one of the Jatakas, these are the stories of the Buddha's previous existences, we are told how the Bodhisattva was perfecting this parami. In that life, he was born a prince in the kingdom of Benares. When he was one month old, he was brought before the king, who was very delighted to see such a fine and noble boy. At the same time, four, um, four men were brought before the king who were sentenced. One um, was to be whipped by a thousand strokes. The second was to be imprisoned in chains. The third one was to be speared and the fourth one to be impaled. The Bodhisattva, although he was still 
uh, a baby, he understood the cruelty of the king and he was terrified. So then the next day, when he was lying in his bed, over him a white royal umbrella, he pondered about the misdeeds of the king. And then he also recollected that he himself in a previous existence was a cruel king and that subsequently he suffered in hell. And so the prospect that he would become a king again in this life greatly worried him. And so just in that moment, a deva who lived in that white umbrella held above him said to the baby, don't worry, my little friend. If you wish to escape from being a king, just pretend to be crippled, deaf and dumb, although you are not. So the little baby, Bodhisattva, followed the deva's advice and determined to behave like a cripple. And so it happened that the little baby never cried for milk. He never laughed and he never played as other babies did. They tested him in many ways, but the Bodhisattva was firm in his determination. When there were sweet cakes around, he did not go for the sweet cakes as the other uh, little children would go. He would tell himself, eat the cakes and the nice food if you want to go to hell. And so he kept firmly to his resolve for many years, for up when he was 16. And by that time, the soothsayers uh, said that this crippled prince would bring misfortune to the royal family and to the kingdom. And they said that this uh, prince should be buried alive. And so the next morning, Sunanda had to take away the prince. When they were in a remote place, far away from the palace, Sunanda stopped the chariot and got down and started to dig a hole. In the meantime, the Bodhisattva alighted from the chariot and started to pace up and down, quickly regaining his strength. Because we must remember, for 16 years he never walked. So finally, Sunanda had finished digging his hole and when he came out of it, he went back to the chariot and he could not see the prince. So he looked around and from behind there came a young, good-looking man. And in the meantime, King Saka had given him some nice princely clothes. And so looking at this healthy young man, he was a bit perplexed. And this young man asked him, 
What are you doing here? Why did you dig this hole? And so Sunanda said that he had the order to bury alive, to bury the crippled prince alive. And so then the Bodhisattva told him that he was actually the crippled prince. First, Sunanda couldn't believe it, but looking a bit closer at this healthy young man, he actually recognized that it was the prince. And so then Sunanda uh, begged the prince to come back with him to the palace, saying that everybody would be very, very happy to see him healthy and strong. But Bodhisattva said that he had no wish to go back uh, to the palace, that he wanted to stay out there in the forest and live as an ascetic. So Sunanda went back to the palace by himself and the news of the healthy, strong prince spread like a bushfire in the palace. And the king gave the order to prepare the chariots to go out there to see his son. It was the king, the queen, and many attendants followed. And when they got to that place, the bodhisattva came and friendly greeted the king and the queen. And then the king told him, look, I give you all my palaces, my horses, the elephants, the infantry, fair and attractive women will entertain you during all the waking hours. Enjoy the throne and all the luxuries and pleasures. I will assure you, you will have a happy life. But the Bodhisattva was not enticed by all of that and said, why should I seek wealth that doesn't last? There is no guarantee that it will be mine by tomorrow. Death has the final say. It decides who has to go. I am not enticed by all that wealth and pleasure and happiness. You go back and keep the throne. But because the kings and the queens and all the other people's parami were also highly developed, um, they decided to follow the example of the Bodhisattva and also to stay there and live there as ascetics. And so then the king had all his treasures uh, distributed and gave up the kingdom. This is not the only story that tells us how the Bodhisattva had to perfect his determination, Aditana. In another life, he was a merchant and the ship he was traveling on came into a storm and uh, sunk. All the other passengers on the ship were overcome with fear. They were cry uh, weeping, uh, screaming and drowned. However, the merchant, the Bodhisattva, made a resolve to swim, to swim to the shore. 
And so he swam across the ocean. But it is said that after seven days of swimming, a deva took pity on him and took him to the shore. But wasn't it for his resolve to swim, he just would have drowned like everybody else on the ship. When I spent my second vasa uh, in the meditation center in Burma, vasa, that's that three-month period during the rainy season when uh, the monks are uh, obliged to stay in one place. And so during that uh, period, I made this determination to restrain my eyes because I had noticed in the previous year of practice that my wandering eyes looking around were or had become a great distraction to my practice, that it uh, prevented me from going deeper. Because for me, <clears throat> It felt almost impossible um, not to look around and know who else is there, or especially what other foreigners are there, how they look like. Uh, and so I knew I had to be really firm and strong about it. And so I made this determination to always have my eyes gazing down on the ground and not letting them look up into the distance or to the side. Because I really uh, uh, wanted to overcome this compulsive force and strongly ingrained habit. And so with a sincere uh, resolution and uh, inclination of the heart, I actually managed to do it for the three months of Vasa. For example, when I bowed down in the dining hall in Burma, um, one sits on the floor uh, for the meals. There are low tables, and so uh, when one goes to the table one is assigned to, first one does three bows to the front of the dining hall, where there is either a Buddha statue or the picture of a Buddha. And that's also the place where Sayadaw and the other monks would be sitting. And before that, when I did my bows, doing the first bow, I always had to look up and see if Chamiye Sayadaw was sitting there or not. Somehow it just mattered to me knowing if he was there or not. And so I let my eyes go up, look if he was there or not. And then I could do the other bows. But after having made this determination, I really had to be careful of not giving in to this strong force of, you know, just a second, look up. And it was difficult, but because I made this strong determination, I could uh, prevent from look, 
myself from uh, looking up. And really, it really it, that didn't really matter if he was there or not. It didn't change anything. But to me, it seemed such a big deal. Another place where this determination was very helpful was going back uh, from the dining hall to my room. There was a little narrow bridge which crossed a little uh, channel or water ditch. And because it was so narrow, if somebody came from the other direction or was overtaking me because I was so slow, even though I had my eyes downcast and just looking on the ground before me, I would see uh, some legs in the field of my vision. <laughs> and normally uh, people wear longies, the sarong-like things, and barefoot in the slippers. But once in a while, what came into my field of vision was a pair of jeans and white sneakers. And then I would know, ah, some foreigner have arrived because they are still wearing their kind of regular clothes before they switch to wear the longi and the slippers. And also in the previous year, I just had this strong wish and I, I felt I have to know if it's a man or a woman and how this person looks like. So I would let my eyes look up and just have a short glimpse of that person. And then the desire was gratified and I could go on. And so after having made this determination, again, I just felt this strong habit, but being aware of that, I really could stick to it and not give in. Aditana, this determination or resolve, is the heart's quality to stick with the chosen path and not to waver in times of difficulty or challenge. A strong resolve also helps to put energy in what we value. For example, even if we lose the primary object many times during a sitting meditation, we observe and note the wandering thoughts until they disappear and only then go back to our anchor or primary object. And we just do it no matter if it's 10 times or 100 times or a thousand times during a sitting. Thoughts, the wandering mind, are just other objects to be noted and understood. Little children uh, who learn to walk can be an inspiring example. First, they just are able to make maybe one step before they fall down. But because they are so eager to learn to walk, they stand up again and try it again to make one step or two step and fall down again. But never mind, they try to get up 
again, they get up again and try it again. So then next time maybe two steps or three, three steps at a time before they fall again. And so after a while, then uh, they are able to walk. So falling down doesn't matter so much. What is more important is to get up time and again. In our meditation practice, we should do the same thing. All we have to do is to get up time and again. Especially with the downs of the practice. The ups are not so much a problem, but um, whenever we feel our practice is down. And so it's in these periods or times can we go on despite the frustration or despite the loneliness or can it go on despite the worries or the doubts or the anxiety? So with determination, we commit ourselves to the practice, even if it seems hopeless uh, at times. Anyway, our notion of progress or what is enlightenment seldom matches the experiences that we have to go through. What seems to be hopeless to us often brings results in unexpected ways. Therefore, it's not up to us to judge the practice, but only do the practice diligently. We should be fully committed to stay with the actual experience and observe it to the best of our ability. In this way, beneficial results or an inner transformation will take place for sure. As we know, with the practice of vipassana meditation, we do not try to make things different or to change anything, but we try to be with the experience 100%. And we do that with the aim of understanding the experience or the object that we are observing. When we can give ourselves fully into the practice or give ourselves fully into experience, then at times our sense of I or me or self dissolves and then there is just the experience and the awareness of it. And if we come to that place, then uh, there is no need to fight it anymore or to adjust it to our needs, opinions or desires. A strong and firm determination also has the power to free forces that we are not aware of. In our limited view, we often nail ourselves down to a certain image 
that we have of ourselves. So, for example, thinking, I can do that, but I know I cannot do this. Or, I'm such an imp impatient person, to be patient is really impossible for me. Or, I'm such a dull-witted man, good enough to uh, sweep streets. Or, because I'm such a sensitive person, it's really impossible for me to observe pain. Or something like, my mind has been restless ever since I remember, and so I'm sure this will stay for the rest of my life. Or, I have been, or I am of an angry temperament, so how could that possibly change for me? Does this sound familiar? <laughs> On which points do you get hooked up? How do you limit yourself just because uh, you think you are this or like that? And so, which kind of limited view of yourself prevents you from dormant qualities to awaken? Another example. Before really seriously taking up meditation practice, I saw myself as a rather stingy person. And when I went to Burma to practice meditation, I even became more painfully aware because, generally speaking, Burmese people are quite generous. Even if they have very little themselves, they are happy to give and share whatever little they have. Through my meditation practice and through living in a country where uh, practicing generosity is so widely practiced on a day-to-day -day level, I started to become a, less, a bit less stingy and a bit more generous. But still, it seemed to me that I was lagging way behind the Burmese people in general and lagging behind Mimi, my Burmese friend. Mimi, she seemed to be, uh, or she seemed to have an inborn uh, tendency for generosity. And so that was very inspiring for me. And at one point, that was actually when I was not in intensive uh, meditation practice, I made a determination to actually give whenever a thought of practicing dana, generosity, would occur. And so I did that for a certain period of time. And then I noticed how I became more spontaneous in being generous, that it wasn't so much depending on anymore on my resolve or determination, 
but that this quality was uh, getting more pervasive in my heart and mind. Of course, with a resolve or determination, we cannot immediately accomplish whatever we wish. It would be rather unwise or even foolish if we make the determination to swim across a lake if we have never learned to swim. <laughs> or if we jump from a very, very high tower and determine that we would be able uh, to fly before reaching the ground, again, this would be very stupid. <laughs> so, when making a determination, we also must apply our wisdom, or at least common sense, and take into consideration uh, the situation or conditions. Sometimes our habits are so strong, like um, heavy chains, uh, that the mere good intention is not enough to sever the chains. And so in this case, to make a sincere determination can be a helpful tool in dealing with our deep-rooted habits and also to deal with our wavering mind. Once we have resolved something, uh, then we just do it. We just stick to it and we do not give in to uh, doubts. Even if Mara appears and tries to attack us or to seduce us with enticing objects, we do not waver and we do not give in, we just stick to our resolve. So a wholehearted resolve adds additional strength and power uh, to it. It is said that shortly before the Buddha passed away, uh, he said the following words, Vayadama Sankara Apamadena Sampadeta. In English this means, impermanent are all conditioned things, strive on with diligence. Strive on with diligence, or you could uh, term it, uh, not to shrink back, is a crucial factor. Apama, apamadena um, comes from pamada, which is to be lax or lazy. And so apamada means the country, not to be lax and not to be lazy. The Buddha very clearly uh, recognized that many human beings are very often under the influence of laxity or laziness and that human beings are easily satisfied with just a little bit of happiness or uh, 
contentment. Although at the time of the Buddha, there were much fewer uh, objects or means to derive happiness or joy from, much less than we have nowadays, but still the human mind uh, has stayed the same. It easily diverts from one's path by the, by the sight or sound of enticing or uh, desirable objects. Aditana or determination works on two levels. On the first level, it is to overcome some unwholesome habits or uh, states of mind that we have to become aware of and which we wish to abandon. When we make a resolve to restrain ourselves so that we do not fall back into our habit, we can experience the result within a short period of time. On the second level, it is to achieve our higher aspirations or goals, whatever they are for us. The goal or that aim may still be a far way off, but when we are determined to walk in that direction, then we will get there one day. But the pity and self-centered I is usually very quick to say, hey, wait a minute, this is not possible. Well, not for you anyway. Others might get there, but you are too dull, too stupid, too lazy, whatever. And so if we are not strong enough, we simply give in or we give up what we are doing and do not pursue it any further. But if we have a larger vision or a clear vision of where we want, uh, want to get to, then we are more determined to persevere, not to shrink back, to actually get there one day. To come back to the Bodhisattva, he was determined to become a Buddha after he, have got, he got the prophecy from the previous Buddha, Buddha Dipankara, that uh, he would actually become a Buddha in, in the future. And it is said that it took him four incalculables and a hundred thousand worlds to achieve this goal. So this is an incredibly long time during which the Buddha to be, the Bodhisattva, was born in uh, many, many different ex uh, planes of existences. Although he lived under many different circumstances and although he had to struggle for many different reasons, he always stuck to his resolve to become a Buddha and he always stuck to his resolve to fulfill whatever was needed 
to do so. And even in the most demanding situations, he didn't waver and his resolve was not shaken. Out of compassion for the manifold sufferings that all living beings are subject to, he patiently and perseveringly bore all the hardships. Regardless how long it might take him, he steadfast, steadfastly stuck with his resolve. A wholehearted determination is like taking the reins into our hands and guide the horses along the path. Otherwise, they would most likely go off the path and run freely in their preferred domain. Likewise, the untrained mind is often quite wild and prefers to do its own thing. So taming the mind needs, among other things, determination. And this should be embedded in other wholesome qualities such as wisdom, compassion, patience, or kindness. And then liberation is possible. Let's sit quietly for a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.